Christ be with you. you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially if you are visiting with us this morning. We're so glad that you are here. You will see the announcements that are in our bulletin, and I also invite you to take the friendship pad. There's one on each pew near the center aisle, and if you take it and fill it out and pass it down the row so that we know who's here with us today. In the announcements, you can see that this afternoon at 5 o'clock, we are having our choir and bell choir concert. It is going to be wonderful, and we welcome to our concert and also this morning, Dr. Diane White Clayton, who is our soloist, and you will hear her this morning, and you will also hear her tonight. And you will, well, after you hear her this morning, you will be sure to come tonight. It is going to be a very great, great day. Um, also, Jerry's retirement party is tomorrow night. It is at 6 o'clock at El Miguel Country Club, and you do have to have already bought your ticket. We are sold out. We, we, we actually don't want you to come before 6. Um, it starts at 6, and there's an hour of mixing. So 6 is plenty of time. We, we won't open the doors until 6. How many more times can I say it? Don't come early. <laughs> we know you're all early birds, so we're a little concerned about that. Um, the celebration of life for Betsy Rao will be this Friday, and it will be at 10 a.m. And uh, the third Friday group invites you to sign up for their end-of-the-year picnic at Three Arch Bay. The information about that is out on the patio, and you can sign up out there. This week, Ricky Ballou went to be with the Lord, and uh, her service information is that the service will be Saturday June 23rd, and that will be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Join me in prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, you have revealed your love to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. You've poured out your Holy Spirit upon your church to empower us for our mission, to grow the mind of Christ within us. We gather this morning as your people asking you to do it once again, to be present with us, to empower us, to shape and form us, to transform us, to be like him who has redeemed us through his own life. We pray in your name. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in your bulletin. O Lord, you have searched us and known us, before we move or think or speak, you know our actions and our words. You breathed life into us and shaped us in human form to serve your purpose and sing your praise. We praise you for the gifts of substance and spirit, of acceptance and expectancy, of lineage and legacy. How wonderful are your thoughts, O oh God! How vast is the expanse of your grace and love. Praise the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Let us stand and praise him together. All ye who hear, come and draw near. Let us adore him. Praise to
The psalmist calls us to confession. Lord God, help us to know your ways. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you we wait all day long. Jesus. 
Jesus, give me Jesus, nobody but Jesus, you me Lord, we bring our confession before you, for you know our thoughts, our weaknesses, our motivations, our sins, and you love us still. Forgive us when we don't believe such love is true or possible, when we wonder how you could love us just as we are when we forget our intricate construction, fearfully, wonderfully made in your image. Remove from our minds every thought which keeps us from you. Break down the walls, push aside the pride, and help us to trust anew as we bring you the silent confessions of our hearts. of the word, speak your grace to us as we sing this song together.
Amen. Friends, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to invite Keitha Russell to bring her son, Cooper Jonathan, to be baptized this morning. Keitha has been a friend of our congregation for many years, and uh, we are celebrating with her today the gift of this young man, Cooper, uh, to bless her life. And uh, welcome to the church, my young friend. <laughs> it's been a hectic weekend for us. Her car wouldn't start this morning when she started down here. Um, a, a bunch of us got evacuated yesterday from our houses. Kent, my neighbor, her brother, who is here, and Christine. And uh, we've survived the night. And so we are here. Thanks be to God. And Hear the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Obeying the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he has called to be his own. In the sacrament of baptism, God places the sign of his covenant upon us. And the good news of the gospel proclaims to us that in this moment we become the children of God, adopted into the family of Christ, brothers and sisters of one another. Thanks be to God. So, Keith, I ask you, do you confess that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord? Do you intend your son to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Our Lord Jesus Christ has ordered us to teach those who are baptized, to tell disciples to help nurture their lives in the good news, to be the agents of healing love and reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we, the people of God, promise to stand with Keitha in nurturing the life of her family, will you please say, we do. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us that is unconditional, you watch over and keep us. You bless us in so many ways. You, you grant to us beautiful children to enrich our lives. And you stretch us and call us to deeper discipleship, to prayer and faithfulness to you. So now we ask that as we baptize with water, you may baptize us with Holy Spirit. So that what we say may be your word and what we do may be your work in the name of Christ we pray amen Cooper how about me holding you buddy this little guy is almost a year old 
Cooper Jonathan Russell, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for the gift of this child, child of the covenant, child created in your image, child beloved by you. We pray your blessing upon Keitha and all her family. Give them the wisdom and the strength and the courage to raise this little one to know, to love, and to serve you. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Keitha, see what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Mama, he wants to come back. Yes. And I have a baptismal certificate for our little Cooper, and um, I've signed it. And here's a Bible for you to read to him and to bring him up uh, in the knowledge of the Word of God. God bless you. We, both, we love you. sitting by the roadside he was blind he could not see then the master of the earth and skies touched his eyes and he Yeah. <laughs> 
Well done. <laughs> and if you want more of this, this afternoon at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, right? Yeah, oh, this is great. Welcome to all of you here this morning. I, I want to recognize one person here, Dick Gronhove. Dick, raise your hand, stand up there, buddy. Dick was a fellow Presbyterian pastor. We've been friends for years before I came to Laguna Beach. He was here and participated in my installation service as your pastor, September 10th, 1972. And he's been pastor of some of our really important churches in our denomination and uh, on the staff and faculty uh, at Princeton Theological Seminary. And he's come all the way from up north of Sacramento to be with us tomorrow night. So, Dick, thank you. Thank you. Our scripture reading this morning is uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's on page 180 in the New Testament in your pew Bible. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, who was the father of the congregation in Corinth, Greece. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. When I came to Troas to proclaim the good news of Christ, a door was opened for me in the Lord. But my mind could not rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said farewell to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing Him. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not peddlers of God's word like so many, but in Christ we speak as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God and standing in His presence. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. We come into Your presence this morning, Lord, because You've invited us to be here. We thank you for calling us into your ministry, every one of us, pastors, elders, deacons, members of the church, baptized believers, all set apart to represent you in the world. We ask now that as we interpret your word, the word of the Apostle Paul, that your Holy Spirit may write its truth upon our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. Last Thursday night, the Presbytery of Los Ranchos um, passed a motion uh, to allow me to become honorably retired. (laughs) 
I've been thinking a whole lot about the word honorable. It has seemed just a, you know, a category, a constitutional category for those of us who are in the, say, professional ministry of the church that one day, after a certain number of years, uh, we become honorably retired and we move into that category. It's not that our ordination is taken away from us, but simply that we make a transition. And I confess that I have dreaded that moment on the floor of Presbytery. Our Presbytery honors pastors who are retiring, giving them little clay chalices. I remember one year some, one of our retiring pastors received this clay chalice that had been fired by a member in the, in the presbytery who was a potter, and he took it, he held it in his hand. The first thing he did was that he dropped it in front of everyone, and it shattered <laughs> over the floor. Thankfully, the moderator responded very quickly and said, we'll get you another one very quickly. We live in a world in which we have seen so much dishonorable behavior and speech. I have to say that I'm just grateful that I was honorably retired. <laughs> Ordained in um, August 18th, 1963, if my calculations are right, that's 55 years ago. I could have performed a lot of dishonorable behaviors and speech over 55 years. I remember that Jesus, his ministry was only for about three years. And he was killed as a common criminal. And not very honored at all, except by a very tiny little group of people. And the Apostle Paul, he may have labored for 25 to 30 years or so, and most of the time he was in trouble with all of the authorities. And if we know ourselves well at all, and I don't know how one can be in the ministry for any particular period of time without coming to some sort of honest evaluation of oneself, you, you realize that there, there certainly are dishonorable parts of every one of us. And I include myself in that category. The Apostle Paul spoke of himself as an aroma of Christ. And either he was being arrogant or he was simply stating the truth of his life. He said to a young pastor, Timothy, who was ministering in Ephesus, he said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But the grace of God overflowed to me in Christ Jesus. And that grace transformed my life it didn't make me perfect it didn't eliminate all my sin but it was simply the gift of God's unconditional favor and acceptance of the forgiveness of my sins 
of a calling to become a person that I could never have imagined that I would become. But I was the recipient of grace. And at that moment, the fragrance, the aroma of Christ rested upon me. And I've been seeking to spread that fragrance everywhere. You ever come into the presence of someone who radiates the aroma of Christ? The fragrance of Christ? I started thinking about aromas, fragrances, some of the names of the perfumes and other things that you ladies use. I, I walk through the cosmetic part of the store in the mall and uh, the smell is really neat. Until I take a deep whiff and then my allergies kick in. <laughs> my eyes begin to water and, and my nose begins to sneeze. Think of those perfumes named Obsession. Envy, Lolita, <laughs> you know. It goes on and on, eternity. Yeah. Sex in the city, fantasy. It goes on and on. One of my pastor friends, he, he wore a cologne that my wife really liked. She bought me a bottle of it. I sprayed it on myself, and I discovered very quickly that I could not stand it on my body. It drove me crazy <laughs> with eyes watering and sneezing and that sort of thing. Aroma. What Paul was talking about, wherever he went, to the cities where he preached and where he taught, where, where he built the church of Jesus Christ, central concern of his life was to spread the aroma of Christ, the aroma of the grace and the love of God that, that had claimed his life. He said three things about himself in this text that we read this morning that I simply want to lift up to you. He says, I'm not a peddler of God's word as many people are. You think of who are peddlers. In the ancient world, there were philosophers and teachers that roamed around with their bands of disciples. They expected their disciples to support them. And there were other traveling merchants who, who were peddling a philosophy, an ideology, a product of some kind that... They made promises about which never were really fulfilled, but they were just simply in it for making a living. Paul said about himself, I'm not a peddler of the Word of God. I'm not out there just trying to enrich myself or to fleece the flock. But I'm a person who speaks out of the sincerity of his heart. When you speak about a person being sincere, perhaps other words could be linked with it. Humility, honesty, 
straightforwardness. When you meet a person, a sincere communicator, you know that this person believes in the product that he's selling. He's not just simply peddling something out of his own self-interest, but is sincere in the speech that he gives and the, the product that he offers he lays his own life on the line. I walked into one of my friend's home once and a, there was a, a salesperson, a young man who was there and he was selling my friends some books, dictionaries or something like that. I walked in and I began to listen to the sales pitch and it was clear to me there were some major holes in the pitch and I began to raise questions about it. And before it was all over, this young salesperson became very angry with me. He asked, can I use your telephone? They allowed him to use the telephone. He called his controller or his supervisor. And in great anger, he says, why is it that the sales methodology you gave me did not work? <laughs> I answered all the questions. I addressed the objections. But someone has come in and interfered, and I've lost the sale. And he put the phone down, and he walked out the front door, huffing and puffing and angry with me, just before my friends had signed the dotted line. My friends thanked me. It's not just a matter of having a methodology or a technique or some way to manipulate someone, that's not sincere, is it? Sincerity speaks the truth in humility and trust in the product that is being promoted. I'm not a peddler of God's Word, as so many are, but I'm a person who speaks in sincerity. That's what I've hoped for myself all these years. He went on to say, I I'm a person who believes he's been sent by God on a mission. And it was the most unlikely mission because he learned soon after his encounter with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus that he was being called to be an apostle to the Gentile world. And that mission would mean suffering for him. In fact, the resurrected Lord told Ananias, the disciple who visited Saul of Tarsus, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And so Paul came to say, the big, great pursuit of my life is to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection life within me. And I'm willing to bear that cross in God's mission to the ends of the earth to preach where the gospel has never been heard 
I've been sent on a mission. This is not just another occupation or Here I stood for moderator of the General Assembly. We, the three of us, led a class at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and we each began, it was a class on Presbyterian polity, and we each made a statement about Presbyterian polity. And what I said to that gathered class was this, if you're going into the ministry just to pursue a profession, you better choose something else. If there's any way you can say no to this profession, say no to it. This is a calling that is a gift and will empower you to become someone that you never thought you could be and to discover gifts that you never thought you had. Paul spoke as a person of sincerity out of a deep conviction they had been called by God. And he could do that because he had been standing in the presence of God. What that means is a life that's centered in the reality of God's Word, a life that's been claimed by the Word, a life that's been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a life characterized by prayer, a life that has learned to listen to God and to cry out of the deep concerns of one's life to Almighty God. A life that knows that it does not have the self-sufficiency to do this work, to do this calling. In the Old Testament, the prophets came up against false prophets regularly. Jeremiah was a prime example. The king would call him, oftentimes out of prison, to speak a word from God to the king and to the other royal officials. And all Jeremiah could do was tell the truth. And every time he did, they threw him back into prison where he continued to weep. The false prophets, all they could do was sing about blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, without any reference to social justice or social righteousness, they just told the principalities and the powers what they knew they wanted to hear. And I've learned across the years that that's not our calling. I'll never forget the year 1968. I've been watching the CNN special program, I think it's three or four part series on 1968. It was a hell of a year. And it's a little wonder that Gary Demarest at La Cunada asked me to preach on Thanksgiving Sunday that year. My sermon topic was, uh, how do we give thanks in a year like this? And so many had been assassinated, and the war in Vietnam was going on, and the protests in the streets, and our political conventions. How do we give thanks? I knew that I, my text was out of the Psalms and 
I knew that at the end of the service that I'd have to stand at the door and greet people going out and hear both words of affirmation and words of anger. How dare I speak <laughs> what I was speaking. That morning, it was suggested to me that I was either a communist or a member of the John Birch Society. I figure I had to have something right. I was caught right between. How could it be that I could be a patriotic American asking the kinds of questions that I did that were raised in Scripture? what I'm talking about. When you stand in the presence of the Holy God, the Holy One of Israel, and walk in the way of Jesus Christ, whose way was the way of, of love, of peace, of justice, of compassion for the poor, and for the people who were like sheep without a shepherd. That is a message that oftentimes rubs up against the principalities and the powers of the world who are threatened by the message. The only way you can be authentic in ministry, and you remember this, the pastors that you call in the future, and you ask them if they know God, if they know Christ, if they've stood in his presence, if they have a word from God for the people of God that will empower the mission into which they are called. So I wanted to preach on these metaphors that the Paul used in 2 Corinthians to interpret his own life and ministry. The first one, then, is the aroma of Christ. What difference would it make if we were a congregation in this community that were known because we smell like Jesus Christ? The world is so polarized and divided and conflicted and angry and fearful. What if we were a people of faith, hope, and love? empowered by the Holy Spirit to care for people who are hurting beyond us. I know that's the kind of people you are and that you want to be. And I'm very thankful to God for the privilege of proclaiming God's word for 46 years to you and I hope you sniff just a bit of the aroma of Christ in my life not perfect as you know but a disciple of Jesus who wants to see him clearly and to know him more deeply to love him out of the depths of my heart. May it be so for all of us. I invite you to stand with me and to affirm your faith.
The words of the early church, the Apostles' Creed. Together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We may be seated as we receive the morning offering. We chose this song uh, midweek, Let the Church Rise from the Ashes. And uh, it made me think, really think about this song theologically in light of yesterday. Paul says, brothers and sisters, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. As a living sacrifice, our lives become the fragrance and the aroma as we lay ourselves down, as the, as the Hebrews would, and the people of Israel would have understood that. And the aroma of that sacrifice would be what the world smells and sees. And as the wind blows and we're revived and that fragrance spreads throughout the world, Christ is lifted up and people are drawn to Jesus Christ. So I hope this morning as you hear this song, maybe hearing it in a new way, not only in light of yesterday, but in light of the words that Jerry spoke and preached to us this morning. Church fall to renew. 
Lord, we do love you. And once again, we're freshly aware of our vulnerability and of our need for your gracious deliverance. Because your steadfast love never fails, we gather before your face this morning and lift to you our anxious hearts. We're grateful that the wind did not turn last night to blow the fire toward us. We give you thanks for safe places to sleep for all who offered shelter and help, for the many who put themselves in harm's way to fight the fire. Mm -hmm. So give comfort to all who are displaced. Give strength to those who continue to fight the fire and to those who continue to offer relief and care. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy on planet Earth. Give wisdom to world leaders as they work for justice and peace. Guide voters this week that we may make wise choices about our future leadership. Lord, make us instruments of your love and care in each situation where we find ourselves, an aroma of Christ. As we bring to you these gifts, we ask that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world. Even as we pray for the day when your kingdom comes in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We close with this beautiful hymn, Lavish Love, Abundant Beauty.
Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are all being changed, transformed from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. May we go forth to radiate the breath, the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. Amen.